0: Give it now, baller's life. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's kind true. of related. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> that's true.
1: So we recently celebrated America's birthday, July fourth, with fireworks and and a little bit of barbecue. I, I and did, beer. But, but and yeah, yeah. Well, I had
2: a cider, but yeah.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's it's funny. I saw a meme that was like. Uh, me any other time of the year and it was just like, America's corrupt. We're about to die. Like yeah. this whole thing is awful. And it's like me on July 4th and it's like, we are the best uh-huh.
2: country. Yeah. Wearing an American flag. You know, right. Yeah. It, it it kind of
1: feels like that. Like I, I have a lot of gripes with America right now. I think a lot of us do. But there's something about July 4th though where you're like, no, today... We're we, American. Yeah, today yeah. we celebrate <laughs> freedom. You know, yeah. we, we celebrate all the great things about America. But it, it did make me think of just it seems like patriotism is on the wane, like there are less people who are proud to be American um and that might break down by age group, mm-hmm. like you know mm-hmm. perhaps uh boomers are more proud, Gen X maybe a little less a yeah. little less and then gen Zs, is... and then yeah, gen Zs that burn it all down, yeah. <laughs> no hate to gen Z, but you know. <laughs> yeah yeah, um, yeah is yeah. what it is, yeah, so it made me think a little bit about uh. The nature of patriotism, which I think is a like sub sub branch of justice, of the virtue mm-hmm. of justice. I think um, obviously, uh, some, someone like Aquinas does not talk about uh, <laughs> patriotism, right. but he does frame patriotism in a sort of a, a in the virtue of piety, mm-hmm. which is which is interesting. So you have the virtue of justice, which is uh, giving one a simple de- you know simple definition, giving one. What's due. What's due. Yeah. And then from there, you have piety, which is that you bestow proper service and love, he says, on your, your friends and family, even your country yeah. and mm-hmm. those who govern you.
2: Right. And so, that's, how, that's how I've understood piety is, is justice as it relates to God, family, and country. Yes. Um, like giving what is due mm-hmm. to your country, to your family, and to mm-hmm. um, God. Right, so, so
1: someone who is just – is, is uh, not just kind of in matters of social justice or matters of uh, crime, criminality mm-hmm. or something. But uh, in all those levels, as you said, mm-hmm. Father, it, it not, you know, not just uh, civil society but also your government, and your family. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't realize that in justice, there's so many uh, tied up uh, other virtues. You know, there's um, – or I guess other uh, morals mm-hmm. um, like truth, uh, friendship. Ingratitude, mm. and it's interesting because I think all of those things are kind of falling apart yeah, yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, that uh, also the virtue of religion is mm-hmm. included in, in oh, that. right? Yeah. Um, but right. I, I feel like all those things are on on the wane. Like, mm-hmm. religion's on the wane. Right. Truth. Gratitude's <laughs> out. Gratitude's <laughs> yeah, out, yeah. and then uh, even down to friendship mm. is kind of all deteriorating. So when you have, I think, all these. Virtues falling apart, I guess maybe it makes sense as to why people don't feel patriotic, right. yeah. um, and I think people don't feel as though they owe something to the country. That's
2: exactly right. I think that's, that's where my mind was going right now, is that this idea that I owe something to something other than myself, I think like Amer- like what we've become as modern individuals, <laughs> uh, especially in America, I think, is that like I am free. I have, I I could do whatever I want. And so, this idea that I owe something to someone else and that I can't be fully independent, um, which I think is another word, I can't be fully isolated, to put it negatively, I think is kind of repulsive um, Mm. to a lot of people. Um, What do I owe my, uh, what do I owe God? You know, what do I owe my family? I am a self made man, right? Um, I think that's, I mean, that's presupposing that uh, those ideas of uh, freedom and independence are, you know, are not i I think they're not as authentic as they originally were mm. now, and we'll get into we we can get into that like what yeah. freedom means what people think freedom means now and what it you know used to mean but yeah, anyway, yeah, those are good distinctions so
1: yeah, so it to be if you owe something to someone, you're indebted to that person so and i I don't know it yeah if, if people think about being indebted to America. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's a lot, it's a lot of like well, it's, it's uh, almost as if uh, they follow another popular Gen Z meme. Like I didn't choose to be born, <laughs> mm-hmm. so like take care of me. Right, so yeah. as I didn't choose yeah. to be mm. American, so uh, America yep. should take care of me. And there there is a, a relationship there though. So we are indebted to the country because I mean, hey, our highways for the most part work. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Right. Uh, we aren't facing like catastrophic bombings mm-hmm. every day. We have it. air conditioning. you know uh we have we have all these things that you know the country does need to take care of its citizens that's Mm -hmm. true i think the country owes some level of care Mm -hmm. um particularly uh, um following the principles of subsidiarity right uh you know you can't expect your local town to defend you against other nations Mm -hmm. you know that's kind of Mm -hmm. the, the nation's job so you're indebted to them for that um but it seems as though now uh, – not to harp on this point too much – that people think the, the country is indebted to them. Right. That, that the, yeah. con- the country should take care of absolutely everything mm-hmm. for them.
0: It seems like the idea that uh, – to say I owe something to somebody uh, and the idea of freedom seem like they're in contradiction if you misunderstand what it means to, to be, be free. free. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so I think people have forgotten like what was what is this freedom that America keeps talking about, and like what was the American project from the get go mm-hmm. versus so like the American Revolution versus the French Revolution. Like, yeah, what were the ideas, um, and I feel like we're just forgetting that.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so
0: in that spirit, can you can you like let's <laughs> take a dive back into what the original project was and what it was for? Because I feel like that's at the heart of why people are forgetting that.
1: Yeah, I actually think that's a. That's a really great uh, – that's a great point and a great starting point to get into. Um, just as a side note, um, I was reading a little bit of Ratzinger, and he gets – he has these uh, two layers of conscious uh, – of your conscience, mm. and what, the first one is anamnesis, actually. Interesting. To, to remember mm-hmm. the principles of uh, of morality and mm-hmm. of proper judgment, and I think for Americans, we need to – Remember Mm. what was the founding project? Like, kind of go back to the beginning, right? Um, Because when you look at the two revolutions, you know, you have America, and then shortly after, you have the French Revolution. They're very different revolutions. Um, The the French Revolution was—I mean, this is broadly speaking—it was much more. I don't know for lack of a better term violent uh, <laughs> it was it, it was i don't want to say atheistic but it was almost um maybe naturalist like or they, humanist maybe yeah because yeah. they believed that natural rights just existed in the fabric of nature mm. that it was just part of of being were these natural rights uh to which Nietzsche mm. will later say what do you, again says who Right. Yeah, like yeah. like what you, like this to believe that rights just exist, bring up from the ground, right? Yeah, they yeah, yeah. they they they're just there. Mm-hmm. Is in Nietzsche's point of view, just as fantastical to say that God became man. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like what, what are you talking about? It presupposes
2: that, the immater- an immaterial principle, right? Yeah,
1: and and so they they had <clears throat> kind of much more of a humanistic view, whereas the Americans, wh- whether you know, there's a lot of debate about you know, the founding fathers and that they really believe in God and were they really mm-hmm. good Christians. This whatever they believed, what they did was they took the ideals of the Enlightenment and wrapped it in Protestantism.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, right.
1: And even you know, yeah. by you know, all men are endowed by their Creator with yeah. certain yeah. inalienable rights. So yeah. they right from the get go, they they realized that these rights were not just self evident. They didn't just exist in the fabric of nature, but they were actually bestowed upon man by God. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, and that's a huge a huge point to remember. I think a lot of, um, I had a class on, um, it was called Freedom and Truth, uh, about religious freedom. And we spent one whole class, it was a seminar style, and we we spent one whole class discussing um, this idea on whether or not America um, is just a blank slate, or if there's actually a metaphysical foundation on which um, we we can actually have religious dialogue and and discourse. Um, And it was kind of a split... um, split uh, opinion in the class. It's pretty heated, I remember. <laughs> um, but I think when you go back and read uh, the Declaration of Independence, um, you know, that, that towards the beginning, we hold these truths to be self-evident. You're automatically implying truth. Um, you're talking about, um, crea- um, you know, uh, that all men are endowed with their crea- uh, by their creator yeah. with certain unalienable rights. Um, this is obviously a metaphysical foundation. Um, which they're presupposing mm-hmm. uh, on which then religious freedom can spring from. And so it's not like, well, you know, the American project is uh, just born out of this idea that is relativistic. Mm. Like, you know, you say your thing, I say my thing. And um, I think when you go back and actually look at the foundation, it's, it might not be popular to say, but I think it is a deep sense of truth that springs from a Judeo-Christian um, philosophy, philosophy. Yeah, yeah metaphysic um and so you know this idea that you know uh, that again that america is a blank slate i think is just on um it's it's uh ignorant of history ignorant mm-hmm. of our foundation um we can get into the implications of what that means later but just you know just going off of what you were saying later, yeah so
1: <clears throat> yeah i think the french revolution really tried to kind of sever themselves from these religious claims that they believe that they could find natural rights apart from the book of Genesis. Whereas the American project, as much as uh, the founders may have been influenced by the Enlightenment, men of the Enlightenment, uh, they still ultimately found their justification for natural rights in Genesis, essentially. that they found that man is created in the image and likeness of god and therefore possesses these rights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um but again the the uh French Revolution really wanted to say that rights had nothing to do with Christian history. Yeah. And it owed nothing to Religion. Re- yeah no. revelation that these rights were just eternal and universal. Uh to which again Nietzsche will say says who where are you finding these eternal rights? Yeah. I I I don't see them.
2: Well, and you know, for my limited no- knowledge of um the French Revolution, um, you know, it, it makes sense that if you're going to claim something as, um, natural, uh, and saying that, you know, there is no transcendence and that these rights are just, you know, um, na- again, natural, then it would make sense that you lead, you know, it leads to something like the uh, reign of terror, you know, where we're beheading nuns. <laughs> um, right. cause it's like, there's no morality. And so if everything's natural, um, there is no God, um, Then it's just it becomes a a power struggle, really. Um, And I think that that's where you can argue maybe you know uh, yes, the French Revolution was it it came out of um, a a system that was flawed, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's not like these people were just like oh, I just want to start killing people. Mm -hmm. Like there were serious um, flaws, uh, you know, in France (laughs) before the French Revolution. Um, But if you if you're not if you're not acting off of a religious framework, then it just becomes the people versus um, the government. Right? right. And who cares who wins, really, if, if that's the case, right? Uh, bloodshed. Um, it's it's you know, I think the, one of the f- the fundamental differences of the American project is again this this idea that we are under a creator and that 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 means that while we have certain unalienable rights we also have certain responsibilities that come with that
0: uh yeah i'm I'm looking at the uh the document that came out from the french revolution the declaration of the rights of man and and citizen. citizen yeah um right article one is men are born and remain free and equal in rights social distinctions may be founded only upon the general good the end like
1: and what's the well, general it, good? Yeah, the, yeah it see. may be founded upon the general good. So if I think it's the the general good that we start making class distinctions, yeah, exactly. Then yep. that's the general you know, good. The, you know, the right. will right. the will of man makes these rights. Like, like Nietzsche
0: um, would say, "says who? Yeah, like, what right. is the general good? Right.
1: And I think if all, uh, he might even say that eventually, uh, what ends up happening is the will to power, <laughs> because you yeah. say it, it. I'm going to assert my my power over you and put you in this class because that's mm-hmm. the good. That's the that's, good. That's, mm-hmm. that's for the good of, right. of man. Um, going back to some of the points you made father about how uh, you know like the reign of terror is I th- again that's a crucial distinction between French and American revolution is uh the French saw the religious as uh sort of backwards relics of the dark ages and holding back progress whereas you don't really see that in the American revolution at all. Um of course you have <laughs> you know, different disputes among Christians. But it, it was, in a sense, uh, the disputes in America over Christianity were about who was the purest. Mm, okay. Not so much like, well, you know, Quakers are holding back the Baptists and the, right. and the Catholics yeah. are holding back the, the Quakers. It, it was more of um, trying to find a uh, a truly Christian, like, paradise mm-hmm. instead. Uh, no, it, they think they both have their issues, um, obviously. But America, again, whether whatever people think about the foundation – uh, does have a religious sense to it, yeah. And very much a, a Protestant religious re- right. religious sense right. to it.
0: And then, as it relates now, it's like you see kind of left and right bickering about what is the common good and what is the good of the people. And then you have things like uh, freedom of speech and censorship, and you know all with the intentionality of this is for the good of the people. Mm-hmm. It's like we're gonna we're gonna block that Hunter Biden. <laughs> report on his laptop for the yeah. good of the people because right. you know otherwise trump might get elected like god forbid like so they they had to determine what the good of the people was um and that's like an abuse of their power and then there's a temptation on the right to be like no we will decide what the good like what the good of the people is and we're just going to revolutionize against the left yeah but it's like you're you're falling to the same trap of not having a metaphysical foundation as to what is the good, as opposed to like, well, no, we just need to get our guy in so right. that they have the stronger hand, so that we can get our way. It's like that has to be founded on something else, or else you're repeating the same cycle. Right.
2: Right, and um, I think to say that to say that we're free in America has to presuppose that we come from a creator. And again it's 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 all about this metaphysical um foundation. To say that we're free means that we are free for something. You know, um the the Declaration of Independence would state that you know we're free to pursue happiness um you know we're we're um uh free to pursue pursue life and liberty. Um but those things are based in our th- the creator. And so mm-hmm. I think that whenever you're acting against um, a path that's moral, which is kind of a buzzword. <laughs> um, I, you, you can see, you can be said to be not free. Mm. Uh, you're not acting in freedom. Uh, and so this is, um, you know, I, I brought this up before. We were talking a little bit before the podcast, before we started recording. Um, but this is why I think America has every right. The government has every right to put up... Um, Statues or monuments um, that have religious symbols, um, well, and particularly Christian symbols. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. you have um, uh, like um, the Ten Commandments in libraries and stuff like that. Uh, Whereas I think the government also has every right to take down satanic symbols. Mm -hmm. Because if we are founded with this um, Judeo-Christian foundation, and that means that the way that America uh, is organized and it uh, operates is based off of these things that are represented in these symbols, in these monuments. And so, to put up something, to allow something in pu- in public property to be satanic is anti-Christian, mm-hmm. in a sense, um, and anti-American, actually. Uh, which is, I, th- I think a lot of people will say, well, that's, that's not religious freedom. mm mm-hmm. But it is when you understand religious freedom in the context of the founding of America,
0: right? Unpopular, yeah. But there it is. (laughs) Yeah. Then the argument against that is like, well, it wasn't a Judeo-Christian foundation because it was really just Enlightenment ideas. Mm. And it's like, well, now now we're going to have a debate on whether Enlightenment ideas are actually (laughs) what they presuppose.
2: Yeah, but Uh, I. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. but in a sense, isn't like America also building off of those? And it's not just an Enlightenment project. Although a lot of ideas did spring from the Enlightenment. Right, but like it, what it, caused the
0: Enlightenment? It's like you have to really yeah. think about that into its detail. Oh,
1: oh yeah, yeah. I mean, at the, at the root of the Enlightenment is still the book of Genesis. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, right. Yeah, that's, you know, yeah. You know, no matter what you think. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. a true, like a pure Enlightenment project might be some of the things that happened in Europe. But I don't – I still don't think that the American project was. You know, mm-hmm. as much as John Locke influenced the American thinkers, they still – appealed ultimately mm-hmm. that natural rights exist because of God. Right.
2: Yeah.
1: Now, whatever, yeah. again, whatever people think, or mm-hmm. I think about what the founders believed, mm-hmm. yeah, that was still the ultimate, the enlightenment still cannot get away in right. the fact that in order to posit natural rights, you have to posit that they came from somewhere else. Right.
2: Yeah. 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 Right. And I mean like that is the foundation for um, the safety. And I use that word, you know, carefully. I know uh, you can kind of divide people into two camps of like, okay, are, do you want to be a safe or do you want to be free, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I mean, there is a level of safety that um, the government should provide to all citizens, um, and that really comes from this idea that we are created equal, and we have the divine spark within us all, right? We're we're um, created in the image and likeness of God. Mm-hmm. Um, once you have that baseline, um, then you can be you can sleep at night. In a sense, right? Uh, you know, you're safe because all men, um, regardless of race, background, ethnicity, gender, mm-hmm. whatever it might be, uh, we're we're equal in that sense. Mm-hmm. You forget that. You forget God. You really, you forget God, and it, you 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 you're on a path towards death, ultimately. Um, you know, at least I think that you know that's a general principle, but especially as it relates to um, political talk. Yeah. Um, so, now one question. If I, I want to p- pivot a little bit and pose to you, I think I have an answer, but I want to get your guys' opinion. How do you, in light of all of our problems in um, our country now, how do you, um, how are you a patriot? Right, like what does it mean to actually um, give what is due to your country? You know, to 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 be pious uh, and to be a patriot when, let's just say. This is over exaggeration, maybe, but ninety five percent of America is like falling to pieces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like what does it mean to be a patriot to be proud of your country? Mm-hmm. you know um proud to be an American um what does that
0: mean I um, think that the f I think the fact that piety has its parallels with your family is kind of like the answer there it's like how how do you remain pious towards your parents, how do you honor your parents even though if you might see their flaws and you're growing up as an, an autonomous individual? Mm-hmm. It's like what do you owe back to them even though if you're no longer under their jurisdiction or what have you. So it's like it's a little similar also to like rescuing your father from the underworld. Yeah, it's like yeah, finding exactly the right. good, yeah. discarding the bad, giving as much as you yeah. can and what you owe back to your country in a in a respectful, honorable way, but understanding that it's flawed.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's like my thing. Yeah. Take. yeah. I think that's yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, it,
1: it's interesting that <laughs> piety is is so closely related to patriotism because I think they can easily replace each other. You know, mm-hmm. I, you know when Trump was president, there was a lot of talk about the cult of Trump and yeah, like yeah. worshiping America, loyalty. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, loyalty, and um, I think that is a mm. a like, the constant temptation in the human heart is to make political figures or the state a god. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes they were, um, but now maybe a little bit more unconscious. So I uh, to follow your line of thought, Matthew, I think it's to continue to to on one hand recognize um that America has not always been has not always lived up to its ideals. However um it has continually made progress towards those ideals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to yeah. be proud of that um you know it's perhaps we can be uh ashamed that America didn't you know outlaw slavery you know sooner or faster. Yeah. But, but proud that the same constitution uh banned it right you know, the same constitution right. made it illegal mm-hmm. um that we didn't we almost you know <laughs> tore apart the country, but we didn't have to make a new country and mm-hmm. a new constitution mm-hmm. to allow for this to happen That right. we actually worked with the same constitution right and that's pretty that's it's impressive yeah the, if you yeah. think about mm-hmm. that
2: yeah no that's um that's that's where my mind was going is this idea of like seeing what America was and could be um and holding on to that, mm-hmm. and it's very akin um, to what Matt said of like rescuing your father from the underworld. I was reminded of um, Aeneas from uh, the uh, Aeneid, um, where he—the whole story is him finding founding Rome, right? And so, not dissimilar to you know uh, the American project where you create this new new land from um, from which your future can thrive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but one of the key elements is that Aeneas rescues his father from the underworld uh, he rescues his father and literally from the underworld and he's holding on to his past in a sense that's symbolic of holding on to the past mm-hmm. but also looking forward to the future and aeneas has become uh, in in popular culture he's become the image popular culture that's not he's, he's not there's no <laughs> he's <memes>. a meme <laughs> he's a meme now no uh, he's become kind of immortalized as the figure for piety mm. Um, his title is Pius Aeneas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we see that with the founding of Rome, but also his respect to the gods and also his respect to his family. Mm-hmm. Um, he is pious all around. Um, but that idea of holding on to the past, um, not in a, um, you know, a golden age thinking kind of way, right. but in a way that's like, this is what's good about the past. And we can love that. And we can bring that into the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what we need to go back to. And, you know, the fact that, Our country was founded holding certain truths to be self-evident. It just seems like we've forgotten that entirely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, And we need to get back to that. If we don't get back to it, I think we're in danger of um, a lot of evil. (laughs) So,
1: yeah. Yeah, I I think now we kind of see rights and freedom as you're allowed to do kind of anything Mm -hmm. as long as it doesn't harm other people or infringe upon other people's rights. Mm-hmm. Um as opposed to uh what you were saying earlier, father, about perhaps rights also implies duties, responsibilities yeah. um maybe even the morality yeah <laughs> that you you can't just do anything um but you're actually supposed to be free for something else yeah um I think we mainly frame our rights in terms of freedom from restriction yeah right, uh as opposed to that being free from restriction allows you to be free. For virtue,
2: yeah, exactly. Freedom and license are not the same. Yeah. that's that's the general idea. License yeah. allows you to do whatever you want, but freedom allows you to pursue what is good. Mm. Uh, and from a Christian understanding, whenever you fall into sin, um, that's not that you're not more free because you chose what you wanted to do, but you're actually less free. It's an abuse of freedom, which makes us, you know, like that. We use that language naturally when we say like, you know, if you're addicted, you're kind of enslaved to your addiction, right? Um, if you're, you know, in a constant state of sin, you're kind of enslaved. Um, you're enslaved uh, to that sin. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at the person who is actually well disciplined, like an athlete, uh, you're not saying he's enslaved to his training. <laughs> you know, like that mm-hmm. wouldn't make any sense. Um, likewise, when you're living as a citizen in America, or when you're um, as a Christian too, and this is a Christian context, you're choosing the good. You're free to pursue what's going to make you thrive, ultimately. Um, So,
1: yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think getting back to the beginnings of of America could be (laughs) very helpful, uh, remembering our tradition. Um, The uh, Catholic Social Doctrine actually talks about how the natural rights of man appear uh, in greater clarity when you consider supernatural revelation, Mm -hmm. so that... You know, the ultimate source of human rights is not found in the state or, like, you know, the the willpower of man. But it says, in man himself and God his creator. So it's interesting. Every now and then you'll hear in popular speech, you know, that people have rights. It's more like French Revolution-esque. It's, you know, just by being human. By virtue of being human, you have rights. Mm -hmm. By virtue of being alive, you have this. Or because I'm human, I, I have this Right. Um, and that's appealing because I think it's kind of like half true. Mm-hmm. It, it is true you have rights because you're human but then there's this other element that you have to add in which is also rooted in God your creator.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And, and
1: But that's the part mm-hmm. that I think we, we're, we're slowly starting to lose right. and, we're slowly, and we're starting to cut out and because of it we're starting to lose the foundation of any of these rights mm-hmm. and so uh, we've talked about this before and Peterson's talked about it as well of we're now calling into question certain rights yeah, right? Right. because we're, we're losing the foundation um, that gave you those rights to, mm-hmm. to begin with. So now we're wondering uh, w- uh, what is, what is the definition or what, you know, when does life begin kind of thing? Mm-hmm. What is the definition of, of, of man and woman, human nature, uh, does human nature even exist? Mm-hmm. Does free speech exist? Um, does everyone have the right to <laughs> free expression right. all you know all these mm-hmm. different things that come from when you just root it in humanity, all you have to do is kind of tweak humanity a bit and then you can mm-hmm. justify yep. whatever
0: yep yeah i I've been um thinking about that idea of rights as it relates to kind of authority, in that there comes there comes a heavy emphasis on like what what I am owed. And that's how people would classify rights as like what what the government owes me. But it's like if you are in a relationship with an authority, it means that you owe something to them. Mm-hmm. And so you can't just sit, you know, like if I was to classify what I allow my children to do, I could call that something like their rights. You know what I'm saying? It's like here are the things, here are the parameters in which you are free and what you should expect from me to give to you. Mm-hmm. However, because of the nature of father and child, they owe things to me. So it's like the only way you get these rights is, is if you're under this umbrella, and you fit into the hierarchy. Like so, it's like mm-hmm. the idea that we just are born with rights with no source and there's no counter response. Like, well, here's what you owe. You just you lose the whole picture. Like it just doesn't make rights don't even make any sense. Um, and then if you try to tie it to something uh, impermanence, like A country then it doesn't it doesn't follow through that uh like why free speech why why these certain rights if they're not tied into something like well god grants us these rights and then we owe that back
1: yeah right well it becomes um maybe a social contract yeah you have have these um so long as the social contract holds up Mm -hmm. but then (laughs) yeah well what if you break the contract what if that breaks down um you I guess you don't have them if you were outside of the city walls, do you not have these <laughs> social contracts anymore? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it breaks down pretty quickly.
0: Um, do you want to—can we pivot to uh, the gospel and first reading from July 2nd? Um, it's kind of related, and I wanted to bring it up as it relates to kind of the freedom for something versus just freedom from anything. Um because you mentioned, Father, like, you don't see an athlete and say, like. You're enslaved. You're, You're enslaved. Trained. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I think there is a way that they could be enslaved to their training. Yeah. You know right. I'm like you can, um, you, if they you, put that as their God. Right. So it's um, like you see, like, um, famous artists become, you know, amazing instrumentalists and singers and what have you. And you wouldn't say that they're enslaved by that. But then sometimes that turns in on itself and they yeah. go crazy. Um, so Right. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So the the question how is is like how does that work and then is there a way to uh to be free ultimately how do you how do you live into that life without it kind of turning in on itself Yeah right
2: And you, so you're implying that, that these readings get at that um yes. point yeah
0: Um so can you read the this is from the 13th Sunday of ordinary time this was from July 2nd yeah. Um can you read the first reading and then we'll get back to that but i just want to lay that as a foundation first okay let's see
2: so first reading from second kings uh starts so, so hold on one thing it's elisha right it's not elisha is that how you pronounce it
1: i so i pronounce it elisha you do okay yeah okay let's go with that one then it's not like elisha keys well, <laughs> yeah, no,
2: no. <laughs> okay um uh, no because one of our lectors was pronouncing it uh, elisha yeah but um the mic was distorting it to where it sounded like elijah elijah mm-hmm. and so yeah. i think like for that distinction i think yeah. elisha elisha Alicia, mean, uh, Elijah, right is yeah but i don't know
1: I, I mean i guess if you want to get really into it really, <laughs> you, can what you can call it <laughs> Eli, Alicia. Alicia. Uh, Alicia. Al- uh, it's oh, like, Alicia! Uh, like yeah, yeah. like accent right. on the uh, yeah. a at the mm-hmm. end. Yeah, because
2: the stress. Yeah, yeah. Okay,
1: uh, but pick your favorite one. Whatever you. I'm gonna just do Alicia. Now we so. know that it's yeah. We know it's not Elijah. <laughs> that's all we're gonna yes, say. Yes. Yeah. So. That's
2: exactly. Okay. Uh, one day, Elisha... Is that how I'm saying it? Yeah. I can't remember what I said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> however you want to say it. <laughs> okay. One day, Elisha came to Shunem, where there was a woman of influence who urged him to dine with her. Afterward, whenever he passed by, he used to stop there to dine. So she said to her husband, I know that Elisha is a holy man of God. Since he visits us often, let us arrange a little room on the roof and furnish it for him with a bed, table, chair, and lamp, so that when he comes to stay with us, he can stay there. Sometime later, Elisha arrived and stayed in the room overnight. Later, Elisha asks, can something be done for her? His servant Gehaziah, right? Gehaziah, yeah, sorry. Answered, yes. So she has no son and her husband is getting on in years. Elisha said, call her. When the woman had been called and stood at the door, Elisha promised, this time next year, you will be fondling a baby son.
0: The end. (laughs) So essentially the woman invites Elisha into her home and and then he blesses her with a son. Um yes. And
2: so, yeah. So and what's important here is that she wants to show this hospitality to Elisha not because of who like not because of a natural reason, but because that he is a holy man of God. Mm-hmm.
0: Right? right. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's hold on to that for a second, and then can you read the gospel um, for that Sunday, which is uh, from Matthew? Okay. Sorry. No, yeah. you <laughs> <in your bunch>. <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: that's fine. Um, it's a short paragraph. I was paragraphs. ordained to actually proclaim the gospel, so there you go. Um, so this is from Matthew 10, um, and yeah, it starts here. Jesus said to his apostles, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Whoever receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever receives a righteous man because he is a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives only a cup of cold water to one of these little ones to drink, because the little one is a disciple, amen, I say to you, he will
0: sh- surely not lose his reward. So the uh, some of these thoughts come from um, things that Peugeot has mentioned in terms of the way we think about uh, sacrifice and participation and attention. Um, and one of the examples he gives in terms of how how things are kind of cohere is that he gives the analogy of like a sports team and you're playing basketball and an individual basketball player uh, can dribble, they can shoot, they can pass, um, and they have all their little idiosyncrasies of how they do that. But in order to participate in the game of basketball, they have to offer it up to the idea of basketball right so they give up their idiosyncrasies they they have to know when to dribble when it's appropriate to pass this that and the third in order to participate in basketball so they they give it up to basketball um give it a ball is life uh, yeah exactly um <laughs> i mean that's, that's kind true. of related that's true. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> um and so his claim is that that stacks up into like then what is basketball for what does that participate mm-hmm. in maybe like uh exceptionalism and like being virtuous and, and like the the idea of working hard towards something. and that all stacks up eventually into pouring itself out into God. Mm. Now so, so back to your point, it's funny you mentioned that particular thing. as an athlete, you wouldn't say that he's enslaved by his skill. The way that that would be an enslavement is if you offer yourself up to basketball, right? Like you participate in the idea of basketball to be a team. But then that turns in on itself, and that is the end. That is the idolatry of basketball. Mm. Like you've made an idol out of it. It becomes all of your, all of your life's movements become for that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So like I get up in the morning, my routines, my habits, my working out. It's all so I can be the best athlete I can be. But then it ends there. And so, right. If you're going to try to find your life in basketball, you will lose it. And so the idea that Christ is getting at is that. You have that all has to stack up into an infinite regress into a type of divine darkness that you give up your life for basketball because that itself will give up for something else. And and that gives up for its family and that gives up for your community and that gives up to God. Um, And then that is when you find your life. When you lose your life into the infinite regress, you find it. Um, So this idea of freedom is like freedom for what? It's like, well, you could find anything that you could think as noble like your family um getting married but even those things if you love father and mother more than me you're not worthy of me that's like what christ says so it's like i'm i'm thinking of just like even even a noble endeavor of like getting married sounds great but if that's not for something else and if you're not taking on more responsibility after that point then then your marriage turns in on itself yeah and you and you lose your life again um and so if you're trying to grasp like, maybe this is the end, maybe this is what it's for, uh, you lose it. Yeah. I think that's what he's trying to get at.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's spot on. And I think, um, yeah, considering the second part of the gospel. The, the gospel is kind of split up into two parts uh, where it says whoever finds his life will lose it and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's the end of the first part. And then he goes on to give examples of uh, um, receiving rewards Mm-hmm. in relation to what you're giving up right and so um you know whoever receives a profit because he's a profit rece- will receive a profit's reward um so like to use your example of basketball whoever um whoever offers up his life for basketball because he is an athlete <laughs> will receive a basketball player's reward exactly but that's where it stops like right. that's the ceiling right you're right? not going to
0: get any more than that you're right. not going to get more meaning out of that mm-hmm. you you're just going to get a basketball player's reward. Yeah. Right. Which is uh,
2: not enough for <laughs> right. a man, ultimately. Right. You know what I... Well,
0: and... so really quick. Yeah, so correct. as this relates to the first reading is this idea of intentionality uh, because the woman accepts Alicia into her home. Because Elisha. No, i Eli- <laughs> 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 He accepts Alicia or Elisha into her home because he is a holy man of God, yep. not because she wants clout or whatever. And so the right intention is that it flows all the way into God. And then because of that, her life is fruitful. Yeah. Like, that's why she's able to bear a son. Right.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's that's spot on. What I find really interesting, it, and I, I think this is related, but um, th- this language that Jesus uses of, um, is not worthy of me, is like so pompous. Mm. <laughs> Almost. I mean, obviously, it's coming from Christ, so he can say that, you know. But... Um, you know, I think whoever, like, you know, when we think of Christ in a very cliched kind of um, simple way, it's like this meekness, mm-hmm. you know, humility, um, and, you know, all that's true, but w- when he's speaking here, it sounds like he's, like, the most important thing in the world, which he is, but it's, like, this idea that, like, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Like, mm-hmm. I am the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm the ideal. Mm-hmm. That's what he's saying, ultimately, yeah. um, but it's so bold. Um and I think like he's saying like I myself am your gift. And if you put anything else above me, then you can't reach me, mm-hmm. essentially. Um but just that language of like not worthy of me is um very strong. Um yeah. it just yeah, it kind of stuck out. But um yeah, and going back to this idea that uh whoever finds his life will lose it and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it, he intentionally says for my sake mm-hmm. um you know, instead of just saying, whoever loses his life will find it. Right. Because you could lose your life in, in anything. anything. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: So. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do think that like it gets, there's the the other side of this is kind of something that I've struggled with is like overthinking every action to make sure it flows. Like, how is this going to be for Christ? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And there there becomes a kind of like hyper meticulous, almost scrupulous way of going about your decisions. And I think that's like the wrong way to do it. Um, but you can like examine your life and see if things are becoming an idol to themselves and, and look at your unconscious behavior and your motivations um, to make sure that they're oriented. But I don't think that looks like a kind of like painstaking journaling of like following the through line but it's something you can meditate on. So yeah, like something you know. as simple as like, what am I going to eat for lunch? That ultimately stacks up in the glory of God. You know what I'm saying? Like that's ultimately yeah. for worship of God, but it takes a it takes some time to meditate on how that's there, but things can pop up as to like, well, am I eating healthy to look good because I'm vain? Am yeah, I right, eating yeah. bad because I'm gluttonous? Like you, you kind of find your motivations and make sure that they're aligned so yeah. that it, it kind of naturally... Like goes right goes through and so but i think that the the key there is like not focusing on those things yeah it's like you know look at the birds well they there's a you know, sense like, of freedom yeah, that you have right in your life in your yes. actions and that's um, what you were saying about like the the country providing that safety it's like you know you everything fits properly when your attention is on christ proper yeah. yeah and then intuitively that starts to flow and then you, you're supposed to self-reflect and, and see where it's not – where it's kind of turning in on itself. Right, right. So I'm not going to eat Taco Bell for a yeah. I guess. That's, that's
2: fine. <laughs> Whoever loses his life for Taco Bell will lose it. <laughs> yeah, we'll get a
0: Taco yeah. Bell's reward. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, mean, I, I think that's the
1: idea behind like simple meals and things like that and like not being – picky about your food mm-hmm. and, and such like that is supposed to keep in mind that even this meal is for the greater glory yeah. of god it right. has a so. greater end than yeah. yeah. itself
0: and even but even even a like a big meal like <laughs> a, big meal. <laughs> a big meal but like even <laughs> a feast or something, yeah, yeah even a feast or like it's there's a celebration and it's a yeah. properness to it right. yeah. it's like and why are we celebrating it like yeah. ultimately it yeah. stacks up That's good. But as that relates. That that was the question I was going for you. Why does that relate to freedom? Yeah. Is because um, the freedom for something is is the kicker of like when you feel like you owe something to somebody, in a sense that you, there might be a sense that you are losing your life. You know, like you're taking up your cross. Like, why is this burden here? Like, I want to just be free from responsibility. But that's that's a lie. Mm-hmm. Like the the things mm-hmm. that you're going to move towards instead of taking your responsibility are going to be idols, and then yeah, li- life is not fruitful that way. And so the idea is that you know, as much as America wants to tout freedom, it's always freedom for yeah something, absolutely. and it's it's yeah. that outpouring of yourself into something that ultimately stacks up into life, life, yeah, and happiness. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Right. And so, when we say religious freedom in an American context, we have to remember the foundation on which that freedom is built, which is recognizing certain truths that are self-evident, or were self-evident, unfortunately, um, recognizing that we come from our creator, and then we move towards the ideal of the good. So, religious freedom, as uh, contra many, um, um, what people suppose it to be, is not relativism. That's I think that's the mm-hmm. takeaway. It's not relativism. Um Right, and I think religious freedom, um, you know, as it pertains to Catholicism, at the very least, right now, we can say that there is ground. Uh, ideally, with religious freedom as it pertains to America, there are grounds for which we can actually have discourse, and that's how I think Catholicism can thrive in America. Is that, you know, it's such a, it's such a logical and wholly integrated system institution. Um that through discourse, um, we can actually gain ground, right uh in mm-hmm. thriving um,
0: yeah, so any other comments before we wrap up?
1: Yeah, I um, we're working off that point, father. I think one of the issues that Americans face is uh to see to see um rights, or to see morality in the framework of rights. So yeah. they, they, I guess this is another split between more like ancient and modern notions of government is one is uh, ancient was much more virtue-based. You mm-hmm. see this in um, Aristotle, Aristotle and, and yeah. in Plato, um, that the, this dialogue that you're talking about should help people, you know, their citizens become virtuous. Whereas I think now we're sort of devolving into my right versus your right. Mm-hmm. or um uh whatever right I have allows me to act in that way, whatever you know if the right exists, I can act in that way it, even if uh others may call it immoral, it's still a right, so therefore yeah. it's not um so I think maybe a return to uh virtue maybe yeah would would help Americans
2: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah that's a big ask <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but no yeah t- I totally agree, and I think that this is why our politicians. Really need to be well educated in. I mean, and this is why Aristotle and Plato um, advocated for this idea of a philosopher king. Mm. You know, like that the 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 king can actually um, dwell on these truths and aspire to them, and then in you know politically philosophical way can implement them Mm. in the city. Um, And so, a well educated, well articulated um, politician can really um, cause great effect. In right. whatever governance they have, um, to strive for the people to strive towards virtue, right? And I'm yeah, s- and then, I'm then sad a, saying this. I was going to say it, <laughs> it is a little gloomy to like that is a huge
0: ask, especially where we are now. And at the, the solace I find is like knowing that I'm not going to be able to change those things, but I yeah, do have yeah. the capacity to change that in my own life. Yeah, exactly. you know I'm saying like the right. the governance I have over my passions, yeah, and then the governance I have over my family, yeah, etc. In my small community, like that's the best we can do, and that's all we should do. Yeah. Um, unless if you're called, obviously, to greater things, then like that is your prerogative. But um, if it's not, you still have work to do here in that yeah, regard. Exactly. And ultimately, and that's what
1: changes
2: the culture. And that's and and scripture says, you know, put no trust in princes. So right, <laughs> that's that's that. So down with politicians, up with America. You know, I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just just more more virtuous people in, in general, yeah. yeah, and we'll be all right. Yeah.
0: Again, big
2: ask. But that's the goal. Yes, yeah. that's, that's the, yeah. The yeah, ideal.
0: Idea. Let's, uh, let's stop there and jump to the bonus. We might do some, like, spicier takes on Dignitatis Humanae and such. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> uh, to hear that, you can sign up at basicallyrelated.com for our weekly bonus episodes. We'll see you all next week.